play and stay on Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. Stand up paddleboarding, hiking, great restaurants and breweries. I'll tell you more about your next vacation destination later in the show. Cairo, Seattle. and this is Your Last Meal's five-year anniversary celebration extravaganza. This is a party episode. So today I'm welcoming back a few of my favorite guests to talk about their favorite party foods. Now, these are mystery guests who will reveal themselves throughout the episode. So don't ask me who, don't bother me. Gonna find out eventually, there's no rush. And I'm also gonna flip the script a little bit. The very first episode of Your Last Meal aired on August 9th, 2016. And my first guest was Seattle chef and restaurateur Tom Douglas. He has a handful of restaurants in Seattle that are currently open, including Seatown Market and Fish Fry, Serious Pie Downtown, Dahlia Bakery, and Serious Takeout. Here's a clip from the first episode. I do have a phobia about my last meal. Like I was going in for a colonoscopy yesterday and I there's a percentage chance that you could die at the, on the table. Really? Of course, anytime you go under anesthesia or anything like that, yeah, you could die. And so I really thought about the night before what was going to be my last dinner before my surgical procedure. And I sat there at the palace kitchen and I had all my favorite things off the menu at the palace uh, as my last supper. Was that the first time that you'd had a last meal or have you done this before? Oh no, I've done it before. Yeah. How many last meals have you had? Um, Probably a dozen. So what was your last meal before your colonoscopy? <laughs> my last meal was... Uh... <laughs> so a couple weeks ago, Tom came over to my house to interview me about my last meal. You know what would have been really nice is I'm not often invited to people's houses where they, especially at lunchtime, where they don't provide a snack <laughs> other than there's a can of beans holding my microphone down. And it's a BYOCO, bring your own can opener. Yeah, exactly. I know. I thought about that actually this morning. I'm like, am I supposed to put out a relish yes, tray? yes. A spread, so to speak. Clearly, I'm a terrible host, but I'm your terrible host. So if you wouldn't mind taking off your shoes, it's BYOB. Could you grab a bag of ice on the way over? Maybe a wedge of that Humboldt fog cheese that I like? All right, let's get this party started. So let's get started. So uh, five years is a very long time. What answer, when you've asked all these people, I'm not sure how many people you've done, but what was the answer that made you want to marry the person because they're so cool? It's been maybe about 110 people. Mm -hmm. And I have found over the five years that there are a lot of vegans and a lot of Jewish people in entertainment, Mm -hmm. sometimes a crossover between the two. So I get excited every time someone does choose a Jewish meal because that's kind of like at the heart of me if somebody picks... Uh, potato latkes or matzo ball soup. Uh-huh. I feel like I have a way to immediately bond with them. Right. Uh, I am interrupting myself to do a little bit of five-year anniversary trivia. So I'm going to play you some sound of the person who wanted latkes and the person who wanted matzo ball soup. See if you know the answer, and I will reveal the answers at the very end of the show. What would you choose to eat for your last meal? I've thought about this question for a few days now, <laughs> but my final answer is the potato latkes um, oh. because first of all, you get to put sour cream on them, which in Russia, that is our, you put sour cream on everything. It's like our ketchup. My other favorite food is soup. 
Any soup? Just I, in general. I'm an old what are man. You, Hugh Hefner? Oh, I'm totally. Was that, was that his food? <laughs> that was. I read an article once that he would have a huge party, but he'd be upstairs in his silk pajamas. He would be eating soup, and then he'd come down and just say, hello, hello. And then he'd go back up and probably have like another bowl of soup. Wow. Well, yeah. What, did the soup change daily? I don't know. I went, we, we will never know now. Anyways, final meal. I would go with the full, the full Jewish holiday thing. So I get my soup, my matzo ball soup. I tend to like the weirder people. So. John Waters, uh-huh. he picked a single leaf of arugula. Because when you die, you lose control of your bowels. And I don't want to be a mess for anyone. Which would not be my last meal at all because right. I'm far more gluttonous. But I like people who chose something a little bit odd because they had a reason behind it. Uh-huh. I liked William Shatner because he's too hot for TV. Right. I mean, he said that he was working on a show called MILF. Mothers I'd Like to Feed is uh, the title of a uh, cooking show that we're kind of organizing. I've gotten both positive and negative reaction. What would it be about? What do you mean, what would it be about? You'd cook something and uh, a mother uh, would uh, eat it and uh, enjoy it. Okay, whether she likes it or not. Well, I mean, if she was lactating, we'd get her, we'd, be, we'd feed her something else. I have a, uh, a dog and she's in heat. I mean, really in heat. So she's gotten weird about her food and I guess... Uh, women who uh, get pregnant get weird about their food. Well, if I may suggest a spinoff show, MILF, Mutts I'd Like to Feed, all about pregnant and in-heat dogs. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll work something out. Okay, perfect. Uh, my daughter is a mom now, and she's been eating these lactation cookies and oh. forced me to have some, and they did nothing for me. No, you no. still <laughs> So you're not going to be the wet Dry nurse. Dry as a bone. Dry as a bone. <laughs> Over the past five years, the interview that made me the most nervous turned out to be the episode that earned us the James Beard Award nomination. And I wasn't nervous because this person is intimidating by any means, but because I am such a huge fan. Jenny Slate is one of my favorite actors and comedians. Do you have that person that you love them so much you think they're so talented that you you kind of want to be them? Like, I want to be her best friend and I also want to be her. And luckily I didn't express that to her because she didn't need me to single white female her while I was sitting right next to her interviewing her on a hotel room bed. Do you like ordering room service when you're traveling? I love ordering room service and I love taking things out of the mini bar because you as a kid it's like you don't even go near that fridge you got to be crazy you know if you think you're gonna like open a coke like that's insane and sometimes so like I, I really like that are you able to open that little fridge now and not even think about it and take something out because I still get like mm, shouldn't do this oh I I don't feel fear anymore I'm like straight up like like it's it's delight it's like i'm just so bad i'm gonna open two drinks i'm gonna open the whiskey and the ginger ale and like i'm gonna have a cocktail alone because i'm an adult this is insane i was so nervous during this interview that i forgot to give her these chocolate bars that i had bought her as a gift and they were just sitting in my purse the whole time so when i went down the elevator in the hotel and i got into the lobby and i opened up my bag to pull my keys out I see these chocolates and I'm debating if I should go back up and give them to her. But I end up just leaving the hotel, sitting in my car and stress eating all of the chocolate bars in the hotel parking lot. If you have a last (laughs) meal that you want, I mean, you've been asking all these people, 110 people, uh, what's it going to be? You already said latkes. That is not my last meal. So it's going to be what? All beef hot dog. 
Oh, that's kind of, I think my mom would go for that, but that's actually <laughs> Phil Rosenthal. He wanted hot dogs for hot his dogs, last yeah. meal. Yeah. So I recently changed my last meal. I had an epiphany a couple of weeks ago really? and completely changed it. So my last meal was uh, raw oysters that I picked myself on a Washington beach and shucked by myself and no accoutrement because I, I learned but I just like the flavor of, you know, the terroir of the oyster. You're gross. The terroir? I know. I'm using gross No, I words. want a little rice vinegar and fish sauce <laughs> on my oyster. Well, I was the same until I did that um, walrus and the carpenter uh-huh. picnic. You go out to the coast in Washington and they take you on a little bus and it's at night and it's dark and they put lights on on the beach and you get out of this bus and they just hand you a shucker and a glass for wine and you just go and get your own stuff and there's four kinds of native oysters so after learning that i could like taste the different flavors of each four i started to really appreciate the natural minerality or the sweetness or whatever mm-hmm. that i i didn't want to cover it up anymore wow you know i know fancy they're naked right there i know yeah so that was like the main thing and then i wanted a really gooey grilled cheese sandwich but I got some really good news a few weeks ago. I was at Fred Meyer and I was in the seafood section and they were selling just like a pre-packed thing of shrimp cocktail for five bucks Mm -hmm. and it had a huge red sticker, five dollars. This was my big treat for my big news. And I came home and oh my God, I freaking love a shrimp, a plump shrimp. I could eat a hundred of them. Mm -hmm. And so I changed my last meal to kind of vintage party foods because I realized there's all of these foods that when I go to a party, I cannot stop eating, but I rarely have ever eat them in my own home. So there's like a feeling of scarcity that makes them taste better because I rarely have them. Right. So the shrimp cocktail, number two, this one's a real scarcity. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, to this day, my mom has been playing mahjong, the most stereotypical Jewish woman thing to do since I was a little kid. So I did not know that. Oh, you didn't? No. Yeah, it's a whole thing. There's like a connection somehow between Chinese and Jewish culture, and this is one of them. So whenever my mom would host Mahjong at our house and she'd put out snacks at the table, she would always make a sour cream and onion dip with a little powder Mm -hmm. mixed into the sour cream. And then she'd tell my sister and I, do not eat. This is for company. And Lay's chips. And then the next morning, we could scrape the dredges out of the bowl and there was hardly anything left. So to this day, that... MSG salty sour cream thing with the Lay's. Oh my God, I love it. So these are things that you just couldn't resist. Couldn't, uh, no. The third thing, because this was something my parents wouldn't buy, was those cheese balls that are covered in nuts with the processed cheese inside Mm -hmm. with wheat thins especially Mm -hmm. because that was something I just couldn't have. And then add on like the little Smokies in the crock pot with the barbecue sauce, grape jelly. These were things my parents would not ever make. Wait, wait, wait. Let's go back there. Barbecue sauce and grape jelly. I learned is that's what people put in the crock pot with the little Smokies for that like sticky gooey sauce. So gross. I know. I can't believe you're still alive. Me neither. I love me a little smoky, but I like them pigs in a blanket. I love that too. When I'm at a party and they're sitting there on a plate and nobody's looking, I just hoover. Yep. on pigs in a blanket and we made them in our catering division because it's a very popular appetizer still to this day yeah. and we made little kind of croissant dough puff pastry type stuff brushed it with egg wash and then put poppy seeds on top and then yeah. baked them with the little sausages they're mm. so good mm. that's on my list too do you like to dip yours in anything no i just like to shove them in my mouth to your face uh-huh. that's how just i like smush to it eat in. Them. <laughs> so you're like me with oysters you want to taste the terroir of the of, of the, the um, of yeah. the pork oh, yeah definitely and the the, where pastry. the butter came from in the puff pastry yeah absolutely 
for my last meal, I'd like a table full of vintage party snacks, including but not limited to sour cream and onion dip made with the powder packet. When I was a kid, my mom would buy a brand called Granny Goose, and I want to dip with low sodium lays. It's not a health thing. I just think that they have the perfect amount of salt. I'd like a cheese ball, very processed, rolled in nuts with wheat thins, and the creme de resistance shrimp cocktail. If we're going to talk about the history of shrimp cocktail, first we have to talk about its predecessor, the oyster cocktail. According to John Mariani's book, The Dictionary of American Food and Drink, in the 1860s in San Francisco, a California gold rush miner walked into a dockside restaurant after a long day of prospecting and ordered a plate of raw oysters and a glass of whiskey. As legend tells it, he plopped the shelled oysters into the glass of whiskey and then splashed in vinegar, ketchup, horseradish, a couple dashes of Worcester sauce, and Tabasco. I'm just assuming that like today, these were some of the condiments on the table. So what he created was an actual cocktail. The original oyster cocktail wasn't a food. It was a drink and it became a San Francisco classic. So this was in the 1860s. By 1889, this cocktail had made its way to New York City, where it was fully embraced and beloved there. According to a whole bunch of stuff that I read on the internet, the oyster cocktail remained popular for decades until oyster prices shot up and then they switched to shrimp. But if you plop a shrimp into a glass of whiskey and ketchup and Tabasco and all that stuff, you can't slurp down a glass of shrimp like you can a glass of oysters. So the drink morphed into a dish and all of those condiments became the dipping sauce, a zesty sauce made of vinegar, ketchup, horseradish, Worcester and Tabasco. Now, the most classic way to serve shrimp cocktail is to hang the big plump shrimp around the rim of a cocktail glass. Legend has it that this serving style came about during Prohibition when the restaurants and bars had no other use for this glassware. So some people say it's called shrimp cocktail because it is served in a cocktail glass. Shrimp cocktail's heyday was between the 1960s and the 1980s, but I still love it today. And so do so many other people. They sell it at grocery stores. You can order it at steakhouses. But as English food writer Nigel Slater wrote about the prawn cocktail, as they call it in Britain, quote, it has spent most of its life seesawing from the height of fashion to the laughably passe and is now often served with a degree of irony. In honor of my last meal, party foods, I am asking my guests about their favorite party foods. After the break, we're going to check in with our first celebrity mystery guest, and you're going to want to listen to this entire episode. If you're somebody who stops early, do not do that. Because coming up in the last segment, segment three. Hi, I'm Isaac Mizrahi, and you're listening to Your Last Meal podcast, the fabulous Rachel Bell. And when I say fabulous, I mean fabulous. This is like one of the best podcasts in all of the podcast universe. And so lucky you and happy fifth anniversary. Love. We'll be right back. Just a ferry ride away from Seattle is the Kitsap Peninsula, a land of gorgeous forests, sparkling water for kayaking and stand-up paddleboarding, and adorable seaside towns with locally-owned boutiques and family-owned restaurants. I have done so many day trips to the Kitsap Peninsula, wine tasting on Bainbridge Island, a girl's trip to Paul's Bow, ice cream and architecture in Port Gamble, watching the seals play from the beach in Port Orchard, and I still haven't seen it all. If you're like me and like off-the-beaten-path places where the locals vacation 
vacation, you are going to love the Kitsap Peninsula. And this month, we're talking about Bremerton and Silverdale. So Bremerton is known as a naval town, and there are museums if you're into the big ships. But the restaurant scene has been really growing over the past several years. Grab a bowl of clam chowder or homemade lumpia at Bremerton's veteran-owned Axe and Arrow. And visit a land and gardens to see meticulously trimmed bonsai and a tree that has been around since 300 BC. Plan your visit. Go to visitkitsap.com slash meal. You can also find a link in the show notes. Play and Stay on the Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. If you like listening to Your Last Meal, you might like watching my new TV show, The Nosh with Rachel Bell. We just wrapped up season one, so there are four tasty episodes ready for you to binge at CascadePBS.org. In episode one, I convince an East Coast skeptic that Seattle now has fantastic bagels. And in the season finale, we go truffle hunting just about an hour outside of Seattle. Episodes are a quick bite just eight and a half minutes long. So grab a snack and cozy up with the nosh. Available anytime, anywhere at cascadepbs.org or find a link in the show notes. Hi, it's Darcy Carden and I want to wish your last meal a very happy fifth anniversary. Yay, Rachel Bell. Welcome back to the Your Last Meal fifth anniversary party episode. What up? Lyrics born in the building. You know what it is. I am chilling with Rachel. Happy fifth anniversary to Your Last Meal. My favorite. The song that you're hearing in the background is LB's newest. It's called Anti, and it was released to bring awareness to Asian American racism and hate crimes. Bay Area rapper Lyrics Born was a guest on Your Last Meal in October 2018. Our homie's mom used to make kimchi. Shout to Young Sun. So I had this giant glass barrel. This was in the, you know, the 90s, before you could buy kimchi at Trader Joe's. Actually, this is before Trader Joe's. And it's in our, like, biscuit-colored Maytag refrigerator in college. Yeah. You know, the super loud refrigerator. It's like, ah, you know, all night Got to keep that kimchi cold. That's right. <laughs> I had two gallons of kimchi. <laughs> My roommates were like, the hell is this, man? It's taking up all this damn space. <laughs> and they thought it was funny. They'd call it bloody lettuce, you know. And I said, but no, guys, it's spicy. It's got probiotic qualities. <laughs> You should really partake. Get that damn bloody lettuce out of here. You know what I mean? And what are you doing with that? They would ask me, you know, I'm like, I eat this. Hell yes. (laughs) And this is why I have great gut health. Before the pandemic, Lyrics Born and his wife, Joy, would spend about a third of the year on the road on tour. But as soon as the pandemic hit, just like all other musicians, they found themselves at home. It was the first time LB had taken a tour break like that in 20 years. His family loves good food. They love to eat. So during lockdown, LB started making cooking videos, sharing easy, healthy meals on Instagram and now on YouTube. Let's do it again tonight on Dinner in Place. Japanese breakfast. So what does Lyrics Born love to snack on at a party? What is the dish that he's going to stand next to all night long? You know, first of all, I think we have to be kind of ethnically specific as to what kind of party we're going to here, you know, 
if I'm going to a party at my in-laws place or on my wife's side of the family, the Filipino party experience is very different. And if I go to another friend's party where it's going to be like tortilla chips and seven layer dip, yeah, do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So what is the Filipino uh, party experience like food wise? I've never met a group of people who can party harder than Filipinos. Really? Yes. And it doesn't even involve alcohol. In my family, there's not a lot of alcohol, maybe a little bit of Mondavi, but the spread is just nuts. My favorite, you know, when you go to a, a Filipino party and there's just those big kind of foil trays yep. laid out, you know, like, and they'll be full of lumpia or sometimes there's uh, what's called lechon, which is so like a giant just pig, which I don't eat. I don't eat pork, but, you know, everybody's fighting for the ear. You know, everybody wants the ear. But my favorite at a Filipino party is what's called the mangus sisig. It's like a big tray of minced fish. To this day, I have no idea how to make it. Mm. I cannot find an awesome recipe anywhere. It's just something that you kind of have to know how to make. And when I ask for the recipe, everybody's like, oh, you know, just do a little this and a little that. And I'm just like, what the hell? How do I do? You know, I will park next to the bungalows. And it's the absolute best. I mean, I will stay there all day long. That's what I do at a Filipino party. This is a new dish to me. So I consulted many, many cooking blogs. And Bengus Sisig is a whole milk fish that gets marinated in vinegar, soy sauce, and garlic. Then it gets fried. Then they flake it up with a fork into lots of little flaky pieces and mix it with sauteed ginger and garlic, onions and chilies, and calamansi juice, which is a citrus fruit. Then they mix in mayonnaise. And a lot of the recipes I saw are garnished with chicharron, which are pork rinds. And then they sprinkle some raw onion on top. You know, if I'm at one of my other friends' parties, you know, I got to say, I'm going to hang out by the seven-layer dip. 100% because these are not things that you make at home. Yeah. You know, really, I don't. You know, the beans and then the guacamole and then the, the sour. Uh, it's, it looks like a cross-section of the planet Earth. You know, the, all these layers. You know, it's like a, the ultimate food gasm for me. And it's something like you indulge in only once or twice a year, really, you know. I love that visual. So, it's like the Earth's crust and the hot lava magma layer and the mandible. Is that a layer? The mandible? Did I make that up? What the does mandible. that mean? The man oh, the mantle. The mandible is your jaw. <laughs> the mantle. The mandible is your jaw. Yes. I'm glad you're here. You eat it with your mandible. So for a seven layer dip, do you want one that somebody layered themselves? Or are you cool with like the pre-made one that you can buy at the grocery store? I'm cool with both. I love the ones that people make at home because they're just so imperfect. But I love a seven layer dip that you eat too soon. So like the beans are still hot. The sour cream is cold. And uh, God, I'm drooling as, as we discuss this. Yeah, you need to have like a you little know, anyway. cup around your neck with like a strap just for the drool. To <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, when horses eat oats, you know, yes, that's kind of what Exactly. Exactly. You need a trough and a drool catcher. <laughs> right. <laughs> no dream catchers, just drool catchers. You are going to bring something to a party or having people over. What is the thing that you make that you think is the best that you're known for? First of all, I like to bring alcohol. Number one, because it's easy. 
Number two, everybody loves you when yep. you walk in with an unopened bottle of Jameson or tequila. And then I like to make a Japanese-style ceviche. Sashimi-grade yeah. tuna, like an ahi kind of chopped up with some yuzu and lemon and avocado. And I'll bring that, you know, just because it's something everybody loves. You know, when you taste it with, like, the sesame mm -hmm. oil and oh my god i need that trough i know you're me. a you bring like the baller snacks if someone brought that to my house i would be so excited and i would put it in the bathroom and hide it and eat it by myself all night it goes immediately it's just gone because everybody's like what's this i told lb about my love for the little smokies in a crock pot at a party come on a crock pot first of all i've never seen a crock pot that looked new they're like oh did you just get this crock pot that looks brand new they're always white with the weird flower print. They know? all look like they were stolen off the set of Three's Company or the Partridge family. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Or somebody just found it on the curb. You yep. know, somebody let it out, you know. Oh, my God. I always see them on the curb. That's. I think that's where people get them. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, Isaac Mizrahi on what he eats or doesn't eat at big fancy fashion parties. Hey, this is Ken Jennings, and I just wanted to congratulate Your Last Meal on its fifth anniversary. Five years, that's pretty good. That's only like 33 less than Jeopardy. Hello. What's going on, Chicklet? That is Isaac Mizrahi, fashion designer, author, and performer. Lucky, lucky little old me. Isaac and I have become friends since he was on the show in 2019. Isaac has a lot of opinions on food and dining. Some hot takes, if you will. So now I present to you a little segment I'd like to call, I'll Tell You What, with Isaac Mizrahi. I'll tell you what, what I don't like as much as I thought I liked, which is fine dining. I don't like it that much. I don't like sitting there for hours. You know, like 11 Madison Park, uh, right? It's like 11 hours. Yeah. I'll tell you what I think has gotten so out of hand, darling, is pickling, pickling and brining of things. Like everything is like so pickly and briny and vinegary and I don't like it that much. Did you notice there's a huge pickle brine moment going on? It's almost upsetting. And everyone's saying acid, acid. You mean lemon juice? Like what the hell are you talking about? Acid, <laughs> right? Acid is lemon juice or vinegar. Like what other acids are there? Can you tell me? Sorry, just saying, acid. Really? So that was 2019. Let's flash forward to my recent conversation with Isaac Mizrahi. So over the years, you've no doubt gone to so many parties and award shows and big galas where there's, you know, a lot of celebrities around, a lot of models since you're into fashion. Mm -hmm. What is the food like at these parties? And do people eat? And do you eat? Darling, I've been to galas, honey. I've been to parties. I've been to every place in Europe. I mean, I've been to like, I mean this, like, you know, major fancy places in France, like in Versailles. There was a, once a party in Versailles. I'm not kidding. And, you know, and it's like, wow, foie gras for 200. How the hell did they swing that? It's a lot of livers. And it's delicious. It's a lot of like, you know, a lot of cruelty to animals yes. for that particular dinner. And it's delicious. You know, the French really know how to eat. They really do. And they do catering very well. Mm. But no one really does it that way. 
well. I mean it like of all the places I've ever been, you know, for all that fanciness that can't seem to ever get catering right. So eat something before you go to a gala. And yeah, supermodels don't eat like Anna Winter. That was like the joke. You would go to dinner with her and she would order like, you know, a brontosaurus burger or something. And then she would take one bite and they would bust it, you know. So Uh, when you're at a party, what is the food that you gravitate to? Well, I have to say, you know, I love hors d'oeuvre. It's like the favorite, one of my favorite things. Like, of course, an arancini, like a little, you know, slider or something. Of course, we adore. But the thing is, every, every, every time I have this one chef that I work with, sometimes anytime I have a cocktail party, she makes this divine nut mix, like mix of nuts. Uh And the recipe is from... Union Square Cafe. Did you ever go to Union Square Cafe bar? No. Is this the Darling? restaurant? Yes. Okay. Darling. I mean, like, that's not the only reason to go to the Union Square Cafe bar, because it's a great restaurant. For years, like, since I can remember, like, in the 80s or something, or the 90s, going to that bar and going, I'll have another bowl of those nuts, because they're buttery, and they're rosemary, and they're sticky, and they're divine. And I could do just eat that for the whole night. You can have the recipe. It's it's in their cookbook, Union Square Cafe. And so every time I have a cocktail party, she makes bowls of it. And it's all gone. Like, people just go mad for it. It's delicious. What is the best drink with those nuts? Well, you know, I like a Campari and soda these days. I can't drink. I'm not a drinker. And, you know, I did this thing with Jacques Pepin about a month ago where he was celebrating something. I don't know what the hell. And he sent all this food and this big flight of wine and he sent this champagne and I used to love champagne. And now if I have one sip of champagne, I instantly get a headache. Uh. But he sent this champagne that was so divine that I don't care. I drank the whole thing and I was by myself and I drank the whole over two days. Okay. I drank, and it was flat the second day. I didn't care. Yeah, okay. It was so delicious. This wine that he sent, I don't know what it was. And I threw the bottle away. I was like, I don't want to see what this is. Destroy the evidence. Destroy it. Exactly. (laughs) It is now time to reveal the answers from the teeny tiny trivia that I did at the start of the show. Number one, the guest who wanted potato latkes. That is retired tennis star Maria Sharapova. I made them a couple of months ago and we usually make them when there's either like a birthday or some type of celebration. Number two. It was Stephen Page from the Bare Naked Ladies who wants matzo ball soup. I say soup is a treat. That's kind of my slogan. What is your favorite soup? I don't know. It changes a lot. A good matzo ball soup, if it's a really rich chicken broth, that's fantastic. And that was my last meal and the fifth anniversary episode of Your Last Meal. Hey, it's Nikki Bloom, and I wanted to wish a happy fifth anniversary to Your Last Meal. Thanks to all my guests over the past five years. You can, of course, go back and listen to any of the episodes that you missed. Jenny Slate, Stephen Page from Bare Naked Ladies, John Waters, Nikki Bloom, Ken Jennings, and so many more. Thanks so much to my guests who came back today, like Isaac Mizrahi. You can find everything you need to know about him at helloisaac.com. You can even find a couple videos of Isaac and me cooking together in his Manhattan apartment. Thank you to Lyrics Born. Make sure to check out his YouTube cooking show. It's called Dinner in Place. And check out that new song. It's called Anti. 
So many thanks to Tom Douglas, who not only was the first guest on my show, Your Last Meal, but he's had me on as a guest many times on his radio show slash podcast. It's called Hot Stove Society. I yeah. love to talk food, and you've been on our show many times yeah. and uh, are welcome to come on our show anytime. Thank you. But uh, You're welcome to you're... be on my show every five years. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I feel special. Yeah. Your Last Meal is produced by Laura Scott and me, and theme music is by Prom Queen who just released a brand new album of Britney Spears covers called Lucky. Look it up. Make sure you're following along on Instagram. It's hello, Rachel Bell. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us a quick five-star review or leave a comment. It does help the algorithm and gets the show out to more people. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal. I'm Isaac Mizrahi, and you're listening to my last meal podcast. Your last Rachel meal. Your last oh, meal. Oh, okay, okay. Your last meal. <laughs> Take no, it's my last meal. <laughs> no, it's mine. I'm one of the few people that still gets a tree delivered to my newspaper box every morning. I just love it. I like getting the Sunday New York Times, but mm. I don't get it anymore. Good story, huh? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it is crazy and amazing. I think these are Aerosmith songs that I'm just reading <laughs> now and crying. Right. Uh, yeah. Hey, this is Tom Douglas, and happy five years. Uh,